0: We talk a lot about building the kingdom and tearing down walls and building bridges and reconciliation and and all of that. And it's all true and it's all beautiful and it's all kingdom. But it starts the minute we walk out of this service. In other words, it starts in the gathering area. And I want to encourage you to just be kingdom friendly to people. Uh, I, I talked to a person last week who, for the first time, they've been coming here about a year and... Two weeks ago, for the first time, someone introduced themselves to them. Came up and said, oh, I haven't seen you before. My name is da-da-da-da. And it meant so much to them for a lot of reasons, things going on in their life. Um, the kingdom is about love, and therefore, at the very least, it's about kindness and friendliness and hospitality. A big a big emphasis in the Bible. So can we just make it a, concert, a concerted effort, not to just be individuals who come here and leave here. We understand we can't get all our community needs meet here, met here. That's why we emphasize small groups. But still, we can make this as, as friendly and as kind uh, and his kingdom as possible. So just be outrageously friendly. Amen? Amen? Book of Luke, chapter 4. We have just finished uh, 16 verses, Luke uh, 4, 14 through 30. And if you're visiting, just to let you know, this is what we do here at Woodland Hills Church. We just go through the Bible verse by verse. Nothing too fancy, not a lot of pizzazz. We just study the Bible because this is the, the word, uh, the, the bread of, of life for us. And so we just finished verses 14 through 30. And what we saw happen there was that Jesus uh, announced that he was the bringer of the kingdom. He announced the beginning of the epoch of Jubilee, the, the, the era of Jubilee, when captivity will be, uh, will be ended and all oppressions shall cease. And he, he is announcing that he is the good news to all who are at the losing end of the, uh, the power structure of, 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 the, of the, this fallen world and all who are, are sick and, and oppressed by demons and so on and so on. And now what we're going to see Jesus begin to do is he starts to put that into action. And so I want to entitle this message, Kingdom Healing. Because the first way Jesus puts it into action involves healing. Yeah. And if you're here this morning and you have any physical infirmity, whether it's a chronic thing, uh, a structural thing, or just today you just woke up feeling nauseous or whatever, I want you to be really paying attention and receiving what I'm saying now, because we're going to have a prayer for the sick and the infirmed uh, at the end of this service. And I want you to even now begin to exercise faith about receiving a healing on this. What we see Jesus always doing is he announces and then he does it. He puts it into action. He ne- you never just have words without demonstration in the Gospels. And so here he begins to demonstrate it, and we start with verse 31. And I'll make a couple little exegetical notes as we're going through this reading. We'll read 11 verses. Luke says, Then Jesus went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, on the Sabbath, and he taught the people. When Luke says he went down, he means it quite literally because Nazareth, which is where he just was, is over 1,200 feet above sea level, whereas Capernaum is uh, over 600 feet below sea level. So Jesus really went down to Capernaum. And what's interesting about that is this. The fact that Luke gets these sorts of geographical details right just enhances our confidence in his historical veracity. Luke is a reliable historian, And uh, uh, if you're one who questions whether what Luke says about Jesus is accurate, you need to account for the fact that he gets these little details right. And if he gets the details right, it'd be pretty hard to explain how he gets the big picture wrong. Think about it. Verse 32. The people were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. In the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Referring to himself in the demonic realm. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. What's interesting about that is this. Throughout the Gospels, you'll find that the demons know who Jesus is. Unlike human beings, the demons know who Jesus is. What they don't know is why he's come to earth. They know the person of the Messiah, the Son of God, but they don't know the wisdom of God that led him to become a human being. And the reason, I suspect, is because the wisdom of God is all about the love of God in action. And the demonic realm, being evil, can't fathom love. So they can't imagine why Jesus would make himself a vulnerable human being, why he's here. That's why Satan and his whole regime very stupidly orchestrated the crucifixion of Jesus. Because in having Jesus crucified, of course, the whole thing backfired on them. And that was, of course, the plan of God. They played into the plan of God. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2 that had the rulers of this world understood the wisdom of God, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They knew he was the Lord of glory, they just didn't know the wisdom of God behind it, and so they ended up playing into God's hand. And I love that, but that's a different sermon. Let's move on. Jesus says, be quiet. He, st- he sternly says, he rebukes them. Be quiet. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down uh, before them all and came out of him without injuring him. The, word, the, the phrase be quiet there literally means to muzzle or to choke. So Jesus literally just chokes the demon, chokes him out of him. Um, and I, I want you to note here that Jesus doesn't get involved in long conversations. Never gets involved in long conversations with demons. He just takes authority over them and they come out. And for those of you who have been involved or are involved or will be involved in deliverance ministries, I want to recommend the same program with you. Don't get into dialogues with demons. They lie. Uh, Just choke them and get them out of there. All right. All the people were amazed and said to each other, what words are these? Or what words these are? With authority and power, he gives orders to evil spirits, and they actually come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. The thing that's interesting here is that it's not amazing that Jesus cast out demons. In fact, and this may come as a surprise to some of you, and it's hard to get our, our theological minds around this, but exorcism, which is casting out demons, that is almost a staple of all non-Western cultures, and it has been throughout history. So the fact that someone does an exorcism, that's not that surprising. What's surprising is how Jesus does it. He just chokes it and, and commands it to leave, and it goes. In the first century, ancient Jewish exorcists and pagan exorcists, and this is true in most cultures today, when they do exorcisms, they do, do a lot of magical incantations. They have a lot of formulas. Uh, they, have, they rely on like esoteric knowledge, secret knowledge, where you've got to know facts about the spiritual realm. And they, have, they sometimes use magical omelets to cast demons out. And usually it takes days, and usually they charge a fee. That's how it goes. Uh, but Jesus just takes authority over the demon and casts them out, and that's what amazes people. Which means this if you have been, are, or will be involved in a deliverance ministry, I encourage you to follow Jesus' example. There's a lot of deliverance ministries out there that really look more pagan than they do uh, Jesus style. They get involved in all this secret knowledge and you got to know what words to use to bind them where and to send them over here and what's the rank name, you know, and serial number of, of what demon that you're dealing with and all this stuff. Honestly, honestly, uh, just, just do what Jesus did. Take authority, come against it and choke it and get it out of there. All right. All right, now you're with me. Verse 38, Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon, of course was Peter. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever and they asked Jesus to help her. The word high fever there, most scholars agree, is a medical term which suggests that Luke is a physician, which is what Paul says he is in the book of Colossians. So we, here we have a cooperation of, of Paul's testimony about Luke. We have it a, have a cooperated in the gospel of Luke. Verse 39, Jesus bent over Simon's uh, mother-in-law, uh, or Peter's uh, uh, mother-in-law, and rebuked, Look at that, he rebuked the fever and it left her. And she got up at once and began to wait on them. It's a curious thing. Jesus rebukes the fever. The word rebuke there is the same word that's always used when Jesus confronts a demon. He rebuked the demon. We just saw him use that very same word a few verses earlier. And it really highlights this interesting fact. In the gospels, uh, there's a difference between having an illness and being oppressed by demonic powers. But the two categories overlap one another. Sometimes illnesses are treated as though they're demons, as, in the, as is the case here. And sometimes demonic oppression is treated as though it was an illness. It's said that a person had a, demon, a, a spirit, and then it will say Jesus healed them. It's a very interesting kind of a, a, a fact, which I think should lead us to this conclusion. Uh, sometimes a headache is just a headache. Take an aspirin, see if it works. But there, it can be the case that, that, that if you have headaches, chronic headaches, migraines, or whatever, it can be the case that there is a, a spiritual oppressive component to it. So it always makes sense. I always encourage people that when you're dealing with any kind of illness or infirmity or anything, shoot in two directions. Uh, deal with all the natural issues that might be there, chemical imbalances or whatnot. Deal with natural issues there and pray for healing. But also shoot in the realm of the, spir- uh, 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 in the spiritual realm. And pray something like this. Lord, if there's anything in the spiritual realm that is intensifying this illness uh, or this this obsession or whatever it is that you're praying about, if there's anything in the spiritual realm that's causing this, I take authority over it in Jesus Christ. I take take the victory of the cross and I apply it to this person's life and I rebuke whatever might be hassling this person. And now, Lord, bring healing to this person in Jesus' name. It's always wise to shoot in two directions because you don't know. There might be, in fact, A a spiritual cause to what's going on, or at least uh, a spiritual uh, intensification to what's going on. Verse 40: At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sicknesses, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Little note: uh, Jesus doesn't always lay hands on people, and the disciples don't always lay hands on people, but they usually do. And I don't think that's just symbolic. God has wired it into the fabric of creation that when people are connected, when they're linked together, it has uh, more power. And so there's something about the laying out of hands that intensifies the prayer. Now, it's not a magical formula, and you can get healed without that, but that's why we ordinarily, when we pray for someone who's sick, has some kind of infirmity, or any other issue, uh, it's good to put their hand on your shoulder. There's something about the connectedness The social God wires it into creation that things work better when they're done socially. And so Jesus usually lays hands on people and so do his disciples. Finally, in verse 41, it says, Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, You are the Son of God. See, the demons know who he is. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. Again, Jesus doesn't get into conversations with uh, uh, folks. Let's preach. Father, let this word come alive. Let it be life. Let it have authority, not mine, but yours. And Father, I pray, we pray together uh, that you would this morning demonstrate the power of your kingdom by freeing some people here of their sicknesses, their illnesses, their infirmities, whatever the issue may be. Glorify yourself in our midst. Use this word to build your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. 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 I first want us to notice the pattern. I drew attention to it a little bit earlier. I want to draw attention to it again. Jesus, in in 4, 14 through 30, he announces the kingdom. And now, starting in verse 31, and this will continue throughout the rest of the gospel, he demonstrates the kingdom. You always find this in Scripture. They announce the kingdom and they demonstrate it. Or even more frequently, they demonstrate the kingdom first and then they announce it. Both are ways of proclaiming the kingdom. You proclaim the kingdom with words, and then you proclaim the kingdom with action. Or first you proclaim it with action, and then you explain it with words. And actually the second one is the more frequent, where you just heal or bring whatever kingdom power you have, demonstrate the kingdom, and then you announce it with action. This, folks, is evangelism. A lot of us get if you've been raised in traditional churches, you get some really funky ideas about evangelism. Here's evangelism Jesus' style. And I want this to be evangelism Woodland Hill style. Uh, There's a place where Jesus sends out 70 people, two by two. And he gives them their marching orders. There are marching orders as well. Uh, Here's what it says. It's from Luke chapter 10. Four things. First of all, Jesus says, When you go to some place, bless them. Whatever house you come to, bless them. Before you know anything about them, bless them. And this, folks, is our most fundamental kingdom responsibility. We're to be blessers. Bless people. Wherever you go, whoever you see, whatever situation they're in, uh, whatever external behavior you see, even if they're your worst enemies, your job as a kingdom person is to bless them. Pray God's peace on their life. Pray God's wholeness on their life. So Jesus says, first you bless them. Number two, if they invite you in and uh, offer you dinner, sit down and eat whatever's put before you. This is verse seven and eight. In other words, befriend people. And, and, uh, Uh, When they put food before you, that's not the time to be prissy about what you eat or don't eat. Jesus says, eat whatever they put before you. Because friendship with these folks is more important than whatever dietary rules you got. And and so you you need to enter into a relationship with these, uh, these folks. So you befriend them. Bless, and as the door opens up, you enter into a relationship with people. Number three, verse nine. As you're in a relationship with them, certain needs will be manifested. And as you see a need, meet it. And so Jesus says, if some are sick, pray for them, uh, bring healing. If some are oppressed by demonic powers, free them from those demonic powers. In other words, whatever need they have, try to meet that need. Bring your unique kingdom character and your unique kingdom authority to meet that need. So bless people, befriend people, serve people. And then finally, everyone say finally. finally. At the end, Jesus says, announce the kingdom has come. You don't need to say much more than that. But see, in seeing, saying the kingdom has come, you're explaining why you're doing what you're doing, how you're doing what you're doing, and you're also inviting them in on it. There's a new reality in this world, folks. It's called the kingdom of God. And it causes people to act like I'm acting right now and to serve like I'm serving right now and to love like I'm loving right now and care like I'm caring right now. And you can be a part of it. That's all, that's all evangelism really is. Uh, just saying it and doing it, doing it and saying it. And you don't need very many words. Evangelism is not going around telling people that they're believing the wrong thing or living the wrong way or voting the wrong way. That's not evangelism. Our job is to follow Jesus, and Jesus never did stuff like that. Amen? All right. It's not about arguing with people about your politics or your theology, and it's not about pointing out other people's sins like they're bigger than your sins, and it's not about judging people. Our job is to follow Jesus' example, and Jesus and his disciples didn't go around doing this. Evangelism is about blessing people and befriending people and serving people and then inviting people and, and just announcing that the kingdom of God is at hand. It's actions that are explained by words and words that are demonstrated with actions. St. Francis of Assisi, I think, got it exactly right. The famous monk, when he said, go forth and preach the gospel to every living creature and use words if you have to. and <laughs> that great? Yeah, proclaim it with your deeds. And if you have to explain what's going on, uh, use words. The kingdom is about action. Uh, So often, uh, you you know, I honestly believe that one of the main obstacles to the advancement of the kingdom in America is that Christians, generally speaking, talk too much and do too little. Amen? Uh, We talk too much. And the sad thing is much of what we talk about is how right we are and how wrong other people are, and we call that good news. There's nothing good about that. Um, I I feel like I have a prophetic impulse here. I'm not going to label this a prophetic word, but but if I was going to, I'd say, thus says the Lord, shut up and just do it. (laughs) Thus says the Lord, shut up and just do it. Just do it. Just live it out. Just do what Jesus did. Just love like Jesus loved. Just just incarnate his lifestyle. You know, love the unlovable. That's what Jesus did. Touch the untouchable. Accept the unacceptable. Uh, You know, you don't need many words to do that, but you're demonstrating the kingdom. You're evangelizing. Open your home to a child who doesn't have a home. Adopt a child, that's kingdom. Uh, visit the elderly and the sick and, and commit to a ministry where you, you, you remember those who tend to be forgotten and thrown aside and as waste products in our culture. That, that's the kingdom. In your life, confront oppression. And in your life, confront racism. And in your life, confront poverty. And in your life, confront uh, injustice. Uh, you don't need many words to do that, but that's evangelism. That's evangelism. You don't need many words to do that. Be scandalous in your outrageous generosity. Be scandalous in the way that you swim upstream in a greed-infested culture. Be scandalous in your refusal to judge people, even if other people are judging them. Be scandalous in who you hang out with and and who you accept. Be scandalous in the way you unconditionally accept people. You don't need many words to do that, but that's evangelism. That's spreading the kingdom. Just manifest what the kingdom is about. And then as the door opens up, and if God so leads you, then use words if you have to to just say oh this is all about the kingdom the kingdom of god is at hand and you need to know that there is a god who loves you more than you could possibly imagine and wants to change your life and he's inviting you just like he invited me and if you do speak speak from a position of humility under rather than some kind of arrogant religious posture over people never put yourself over people that Jesus didn't do that and he was a son of god amen it's about humility So we're to manifest the kingdom in every way, shape, and form. Now, what I want to say this morning is this. Part of manifesting the kingdom has to do with healing. It also has to do with helping people be freed from uh, spiritual oppression. Uh, I'll talk about that at a later date. I want to focus on healing here this morning. We said several weeks ago that the kingdom is a holistic kingdom. That is to say, it's a tapestry. It's a woven together thing. You can't dissect it, as we're so inclined to do with our Western mindset. You can no more dissect the kingdom and divide it into parts than you can dissect a person and expect them to stay alive. You can't dismember a person and have them stay alive, so also you can't dismember the kingdom. Uh, So often today, people will just take out one part of the kingdom and, and make that the whole kingdom, as though you can abstract one part away from the other. So what usually happens in Western culture is we take the part that says you need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ in order to be saved, which is true. And we take that out, and that's the whole gospel. But see, you can't even theoretically abstract that part of the gospel, that part of the kingdom, apart from the the gospel that says, God calls us to care about the poor, and God calls us to care about reconciliation, and God calls us to tear down walls, and God calls us to reach the lost, and God calls us to have a radical Christ-like lifestyle. All of it is, is contained in the package of the kingdom. It's all part of one thing. One part leads to the other. And what we need to know this morning is that part of this package, part of what Jesus died for, was the healing of our bodies. The kingdom of God is wherever the reign of God is established. And wherever the reign of God is established, things begin to line up with God's will. And God's perfect will for creation is for us to have bodies that that work the way bodies are supposed to work. Now I want to immediately say this. In this fallen world, God works within the givens of the situations that we're in. And in this fallen world, God can use anything and everything for his glory and for our benefit. And so God uses people in the midst of their infirmities and even blesses people in the midst of their infirmity and even blesses other people in the midst of their infirmity and blesses people through the infirmity. He'll use the infirmity itself as a blessing. So a person who's got a chronic infirmity, whether it's a, 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 some kind of an illness or a deformity or whatever it is, you, it's like you are a second-class, second-blessed kind of person. As you are right here and right now, God wants to use you and bless you tremendously. Amen. But that's about God's wisdom, how he can take everything and it's material for the beautiful design that he creates with our life. But from the pattern of Jesus, and Jesus is always our example in this, we're to assume that, unless God tells us otherwise, our marching orders are to come against sickness, diseases, and infirmities as things, as things that don't align perfectly with the will of God. And we manifest God's will by bringing healing to that situation. The kingdom of God is about, includes the healing of diseases and infirmities. Now, I have made a promise that I will keep with you, and that is that I never lie or pretend. I, I have a commitment to be honest. So in all honesty, I'll tell you this. This one is for me the hardest one to believe. Um, And maybe it is for some of you. I have an easier time believing Jesus died for the forgiveness of our sins and Jesus died to reconcile the people groups together. Uh, I have an easier time with those than I have believing that Jesus died to heal us and that's still true for us today. I have been deeply discouraged sometimes praying my heart out for people and, and, and they don't get healed. That's just an honest thing. And there's some religious environments where you're not supposed to say that, but we, we like to trade in the, the currency of reality. And some of you are in the same spot. Now here's the thing. I have a choice to make. and I have, to have a choice to make every time I pray with somebody. I can choose to let my experience be the authority in my life, in which case I'm not going to, with any kind of passion, pray for the sick. I can choose to make experience the authority of my life or I can choose to make the Word of God the authority of my life. And as a kingdom of God disciple, my, the call is to make the word of God the authority of my life, not my experience. And in fact, my experience will never line up with the authority of the word of God unless I make that decision. And so the word of God tells us that by his stripes we are healed. The word of God tells us that the prayer of faith shall save the sick. The, the word of God tells us that Jesus died, uh, among other things, to bring about the healing of our diseases. The word of God tells us that he's the God who wants to heal our diseases and free us from our infirmities. So my My job is to choose to believe that and move forward on that and march with that. And so in this area more than any other area, I pray the prayer of the Father in Mark chapter 9 when he says, Lord, I believe, but will you help my unbelief? (laughs) Lord, I believe, but, but help my unbelief. I have and you have and we together have a decision. Will we choose to believe that God wants to manifest his healing power in our life and in the life of our sisters and brothers in this place? And I don't know what it is that's kept this from happening more frequently. There's some kind of a stronghold, it seems, that's over America and and, and over the Twin Cities. Um, uh, But it's our job to be pressing against that and to be moving forward in faith and to believe that what God says is true and not give up because our experience thus far hasn't been stellar. Now, what is it to believe that God is the God who wants to heal our diseases? What is it to have faith that God wants to heal the sick? It's a very important question because there's a lot of confusion about this. Um, I'll say what it's not, and then I'll say what it is. Here's what it's not. One of the things that it's not. It's not about confessing something to be true that's not true. Follow me on this. I want to say right at the start, I passionately, fervently, uh, completely believe in the importance of confession. And the importance of what you do with your tongue. James says that the tongue is the rudder of a ship. And uh, and that means it steers the whole ship. What you do with your tongue sets the course of your life. Uh, It's the main variable that decides the quality of your life. What you say to yourself between your ears when you think and what you say out loud, whether someone's in in the hearing distance or not, that tongue sets the course of your life. If you're thinking trash and talking trash, your life, I guarantee you, is going to be trash. It, it can't be—you may have a lot of other nice things going on, but you're, gonna, you're heading in a trash direction because the tongue is the rudder of that ship. Uh, and, and on the other hand, if you're thinking and talking beauty and truth, you're going to be heading in the direction of beauty and truth. I guarantee you it can't be under the way. It's on the authority of the Word that uh, the tongue sets the course. So I believe firmly and passionately in, in, in being careful about what you say and disciplined with the tongue. But having said that, we need to be balanced in all things. And we, we, shouldn't, we can't apply this principle in ways that the Bible itself doesn't apply it. And the Bible never calls on us to confess something as being true that's not true. There's a school of thought out there that I know some of you have, have been influenced by and, by and probably a number of you have been wounded by. And the school of thought says this. To believe in healing means that when you pray for healing, you now confess that you receive the healing, regardless of what's going on in your life. And even if you've still got cancer, you just confess that you don't have cancer. And, and even if you've still got the pain, you confess that you don't have the pain and things of that sort. And they mean well, but I, and, and they're hitting on a true biblical principle, but they're applying it in a way that goes outside the parameter of the Word of God. Look at this passage from, from Jesus uh, in the book of Mark. Jesus prays for this man who couldn't see. He was blind. And then Jesus asked him, Do you see anything? Now that's interesting. He didn't say, now confess that you can see things. He said, can you see? See, Jesus is always about reality. What's real? What's real? And the guy looked up and he says, well, I see people, but they look like trees walking around, uh, which is bizarre. Uh, But what it tells us, this guy obviously wasn't born blind. At some point, he got blind because he knew what trees looked like. So he he had a partial healing. It's so encouraging to me that Jesus, the omnipotent Son of God, had to pray twice for this healing to happen. You know, uh, okay, that encourages me. You know, it's it's, it's all right. Uh, Prayer, prayer, healing was warfare even for Jesus now Jesus doesn't say no you got to claim it you got to confess it you got to walk in this you just say that you can heal I had a friend one time who was prayed for uh, uh, with his eyes he had real bad eyes had thick glasses and they said now that you're now that you uh, uh, if you have faith you'll throw away those glasses and he did that and in the span of four months, he got in two major car crashes. One almost killed somebody, and he almost flunked out of college because the guy couldn't read uh, any books. But he kept on telling everybody, I'm healed, I'm healed. I can, he's driving around like Mr. Magoo, saying, I'm healed. Yeah, God healed me of my eyesight problems. No, look it, look it. If you can see, you see it. If you don't, you don't. Be real with it. And so, so Jesus never tells us to pretend. Here's what faith is. All right, now listen to this very carefully. I touch on this. Uh, with some frequency because it's so important and so often misunderstood. Uh, understood. Hebrews 11.1 1 is the only place that defines faith in the Bible. And it defines it as this. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's the substance, hypostasis, means substantial reality, of things hoped for or anticipated. And it's the conviction, elegos, of things unseen. The way you to apply that to our own lives with regard to this issue is this. When you're, uh, the prayer of faith, it's not psychological certainty that you have received something or even the psychological certainty that you're going to receive it right here and right now. You can be certain that you'll ultimately be healed uh, when the kingdom comes, but you can't know, unless God gives you a word of knowledge, that this prayer time you're going to be healed. But that's not faith anyways. Faith is holding as a substantial reality in your mind something that you anticipate. And it's developing the conviction that it will be so that motivates you to press towards it. Faith is an action, it's a verb, and it's a move towards action. There's a reality that you believe is the will of God, and so you're praying towards it, you're moving towards it. That's what faith is. And so when we're praying for the sick... We don't need to be confessing things that aren't so or anything of this sort. When we're praying for the sick to have faith is to see them, envision them uh, being healed, being freed from the cancer or, or the headaches or whatever it is, to envision the kingdom coming in their body. And now you're pressing for it and you're saying yes to it. And every prayer you pray, you're, you're, you're pressing towards that. You're saying, Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, let your will be done in this body as it is in heaven. Bring your healing power right here and right now in Jesus' name. That's what faith is all about. It doesn't involve a lot of pizzazz or hocus-pocus or anything of the sort. It's just moving towards what you you, uh, have on the authority of of the Word of God. Uh, Reason to believe is the will of God. Now let's continue to be real and ask this question. Why sometimes, in fact, so far, frequently, when you pray for someone to be healed, why aren't they healed? Or why is one person spectacularly healed and not another person? And here is where very frequently people bring up their formulaic Christianity, the Christianity formulas. And the formula that's operative today basically says this. Well, if you're not healed, it's, it can only be one of two reasons. Either it wasn't the will of God or it was the will of God, but you just didn't have faith to receive it. So people either end up blaming God or blaming themselves because they weren't healed. And I could tell you horror stories of people uh, who have been slimed with that kind of mindset. Those who say it's not the will of God, sometimes that, that's the case. Sometimes it's not God's will to heal you. Sometimes. That was the case in Paul with Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, where the Lord says, you know what, Paul? I can use you more in your weakened state than I could when I was strong. So sometimes it's the will of God that you don't be healed, but that shouldn't be our default setting because Jesus operates on the assumption that the will of God is in the healing, not in the sickness. Okay? So sometimes... God will say, no, I I, I want to leave you like that. But that's not the only reason uh, that people may not be healed. Now, there's others who will say, well, it's always God's will to heal you. And therefore, if you're not healed, well, it's because you lack faith. Or sometimes they'll get, you know, into the magical knowledge and they'll they'll tell you that's because of some sin in your life or something of the sort. And it is true that sometimes faith can be a variable that determines whether or not you get healed. It was that way in the scriptures sometimes. And Jesus said, according to your faith, be done to you. It's very important to have faith. Faith as we just defined it. To have this passionate move towards action for the healing. But it's not the case that always when a person uh, fails to be healed that it was because of a lack of faith. If this is an issue that is important to you, I encourage you to get my book, Is God to Blame? Because I discuss it at length in that book. And what I show in that book, and I can only spend one minute on this right now, but that is that there are many things that affect what come to pass in this world. God's will is the most important variable. Our faith and our will is another important variable. But there's a bunch of other wills and a bunch of other variables that affect what comes to pass. Which means that it can happen that it's God's will to heal you. And it can happen that you have faith for healing, and yet you're still not healed. And that just blows apart, I know, all the formulas. But it's, it's biblical. Look at Daniel chapter 10 is a classic example of this. Where Daniel prays with faith, God has the will to answer his prayer, and yet it's still not answered for 21 days. And the reason was because there was interference in the spiritual realm. There's this whole spiritual realm that we got to break through in prayer. It's warfare. And in this case, uh, demonic power, the prince of Persia, intercepted the angel that was uh, commissioned to answer this prayer, and that's what what, what delayed uh, the prayer being answered. It wasn't about God's will, and it wasn't about Daniel's faith. It was about something entirely different. And it shouldn't surprise us that the demonic realm can interfere with God's will for our life, because you find that all over the place in the Bible. But even in our own life, we can interfere with each other's with the will of God for each other's life. That's part of what it means to be a free agent. If I right now decide to pick up this stool and bash somebody in the front row, any volunteers, if I bash somebody in the head uh, and cause irreversible brain damage, that's not God's perfect will for their life, and it wasn't because they lacked faith. That's about me. That's what it is to be a free agent, which means this. In a world where there's spiritual and human free agents and a bunch of other things going on, in answer to the question, why was this person healed and that person not, the only answer we can give, unless God gives us a word of knowledge, but the only answer we can give is the three most important words in the English language, and that is, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's a very complex word. Now, I know God. I know God's will in Jesus Christ, but I don't need to blame God for this, and I don't need to blame you for this. I don't need to blame any. Stop the judgment game. Just say, we don't know. It's a complex world. But our marching orders, amen, very important. It's okay to be human. It's okay to be finite. We don't know most things. And so you just say, I don't know. As long as God is it, putting it on your heart to press in this direction, keep pressing. Because persistence is a very important variable in prayer. And so you just keep on pressing. God may see that there's a, there's a, a spiritual opposition here, but if you just press with some more people, you can break through. So as long as it's on your heart to keep pressing, press. There may come a time where the Lord releases you of that. And be okay with that too. All of a sudden, God says, you know, I want you to accept your condition. He knows things that you don't know. Uh, and, And at that point, he may say, I want you to spend your prayer time in other areas. Okay? And we need to be following God's will in what we pray for and how we pray for it. Just accept that. It may be just for a season. Maybe he'll bring you back later on and say, okay, now I want you to press in again. Why? Who knows? It's a complex world. We don't know, but what we do know is God revealed in Jesus Christ. And uh, therefore, we don't need to blame God, and we don't need to blame one another. So will we, right here and right now, choose to have faith that God is in the healing business today? What I want us to do is stand. I I want to uh, have us uh, read this corporate prayer. Prayer is both individual and corporate. And uh, as I read this, I want to ask our prayer team and all others who volunteer to be part of our prayer team to come forward here. Uh, I would like the prayer teams to line up on the side. And if you're here and have any physical illness, major or minor, I want you to come forward and be envisioning what you look like when you're healed of that and enter into prayer. If you want individual prayer, go to the sides. If you'd just like to pray pretty much on your own, come to what we call the mosh pit here in the middle. And I and some others will be walking around just laying our hands on you. I want us as a congregation, as they're coming forward, to be praying for them, to have faith for them, Vocalize that prayer. The Bible says, Raise your voice unto God. Cry out to God with a voice of triumph. Call upon the Lord. But let's all read this together as a confession of faith. And this is where we say, Lord, we believe, but help our unbelief. Read it with me. Lord, on behalf of ourselves and our community, we ask that your kingdom come and your will be done in the body of Woodland Hills Church as it is in heaven. We confess that Jesus died for the forgiveness of our sins, for the reconciliation of the human race, and for the healing of our physical bodies. Yes. We ask you to demonstrate your beautiful kingdom by unleashing your healing power right here and right now on all who call upon your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Will we choose to believe it? Will we choose to believe it? Now I want to ask you, if you have any illness whatsoever, to come on down here. In fact, as we're doing that, I'd like to get two, at the most three people, uh, as, the, as people are walking down, to give a 30-second, I'm going to time it, 30-second testimony about how God has healed you of something in the past. Just a word of faith. Faith uh, increases faith in others. So we have a person who would like to testify. All right. 30 seconds.
1: I used to be almost keep permanently down. condemned to wheelchair. I needed somebody to get me on and off a toilet. Scoliosis, arthritis, and degenerative disease in my lower back. My back had a fish hook, and God is good. God is good. <laughs> he is so good.
0: Praise God. And amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Excellent. Excellent. Okay, we got two more here. 30 seconds.
1: You prayed for me about six months ago, and my spine was twisted all the way up into my head, and I had two bulges discs one ready to rupture and one popped hip i went home and about two or three weeks later god supernaturally healed
0: me praise god amen praise the lord amen praise god yes
1: i was uh chemically addicted to crack cocaine i smoked crack for 16 years and could not quit for the life of me i tried time and time again to quit on my own strength and willpower could not do it came to the Lord, came to know the Lord, and he has healed me. I have, I have been clean for Amen. two, two Amen. years, clean from crack cocaine. Amen. the grace of God. Only by the grace of God.
0: Praise God. Amen. Amen. Yes. Praise God. All right. So what I want us to do here is be having faith for these folks here. And uh, you can extend your hand. There's something about just that connectedness. Extend your hand in this direction. And we're going to pray for them. Uh, I'd ask the prayer teams that, that are free to come and just lay hands on the people that are, are, are up here and just be praying for them. And this is go before the Lord and uh, ask God to manifest his glory. Those of you who are being prayed for, you've got to know this that when God does something in your life, you need to brag on him about it. And tell someone about it. And so I'd like you to stop at the information table when you're done. If God touches you and and, and uh, tell the person there about what God's done in your life, just join with me in praying here. Father, thank, we thank you, God, that you are a God who... Uh, heals our soul, heals our mind, and yes, heals our body. And God, whatever our experience has been, we, Lord, profess the truth that part of what you died for was the healing of our infirmities and diseases. We profess the truth that by your wounds we are healed. We profess the truth that the prayer of faith can save the sick, Lord God. And so right now, Lord God, on your authority, not our own, we don't stand on our own authority, but on your authority, Lord, we we, we come and intercede on behalf of our sisters and brothers. And we pray Lord, that right now you manifest the beauty of your kingdom in their midst, Lord God. Pour out your healing spirit on them right now in Jesus' name. Show yourself to be the Lord who heals our diseases, Lord God. Show yourself to be the Lord who's our friend and our brother, Lord God. Put your arms around these people and, and touch them in Jesus' name. Lord, you are the creator of the body and you're the healer of the body. And so, Lord, we ask that you right now manifest your healing power on behalf of our sisters and brothers in Jesus' name. Lord, if there's anything in the spiritual realm that is afflicting them, that is intensifying this sickness or causing this sickness or whatever it is, we take authority over it in Jesus' name. We bind it in Jesus' name. We apply the victory of the cross to these people, Lord God. We we, we proclaim that they are people who are bought and paid for with a price. And therefore, they belong to Jesus Christ. And therefore, anything in the spiritual realm that's not consistent with Jesus Christ must leave right here and right now in Jesus' name. And we speak, following Jesus' example, We speak against the sickness. We speak against the disease. We speak against the migraines. We speak against the ulcers. We speak against the cancer. We speak against the spinal cord issue. We speak against the blood disorder. We speak against the leg issue, the bone issue, the Parkinson's, the deafness. We speak against it as you did, Jesus. And we command it to leave in Jesus' name. Have your way, Lord God. Have your way, Lord God. Manifest yourself. In Jesus' name, we stand under the authority of the cross. Let your healing power flow here, Lord. Let your healing power flow. In Jesus' name, by your stripes, we are healed. Manifest your kingdom. Manifest your kingdom. Father, we have a vision of these people being healed. We press towards it through the power of prayer. We break through strongholds. We break through captivity to see the healing manifested here, Lord. Glorify yourself. Glorify yourself by touching these people in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, let it, done, let it be done, Lord. 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 Amen. Keep praying for these folks. Uh, prayer team, keep praying. Jill, will you just lead us in uh, one song here? And you can sing along with it as you're singing because worship calls down the presence of God. Worship the Lord and, and, and be praying for these folks. Go ahead, Jill.
1: Sing, I will praise you, Lord. And John. Jesus is
0: your healing power, Lord. Set the captives free. Give sight to the blind. Bring relief to the pain. Creator and healer.
1: Hallelujah.
0: Hallelujah. Have your way, Lord. Flow over this place, Lord God. Manifest yourself. Do Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Do a Lord, do a Lord, do a Lord, do a Lord. Lord. Have your way, Lord. Let your power come down, Lord. Lord. Send your power, Lord. Send your power, Lord. We have uh, the, uh, uh, a number of people in the Hispanic community and they, don't, they didn't understand that they can come forward for healing, so we wanted to invite them to do that. Would you? We welcome to the Hispanic community. Hermanos en crisis, por favor, preséntense aquí al frente. Estamos orando por ustedes, corazón. Y somos este, personas que sentimos el dolor y estamos gozosos de que ustedes hayan venido a esta iglesia, a nuestra comunidad. Somos intérprete, yo soy intérprete y los puedo ayudar. Gracias. Amen, thanks. Appreciate that. Amen. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to send us out here, but I want to, uh, Jill, if you just keep leading us in worship, and when you feel it's right for you to leave, uh, feel free to leave. Uh, if you have kids with you, I encourage you to pick up the kids and then come back. Uh, I don't want to put any lid on what God's doing here. And I sense that God's doing something, and now we have a bunch of other people who are just coming forward here. So prayer teams, if you'd be willing to wait, just pray as long as you can. When you have to leave, go ahead and leave, but I will join you here. And, and uh, those who are up here, don't leave until you feel like you're supposed to leave. Let's just press on. Let's just press on. When you need to leave, go out and build a kingdom. Befriend people, bless people, serve people, and then when appropriate, announce it. Go out and do it. God bless you. Let's keep praying for those who need healings.